FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, welcome back to uh, Castaway, our podcast. I have again with me, Kerry, back in the office. Hi, Chris. And Tom, all the way from Singapore. Hi, guys. Morning, guys. How are you doing? Cool. So why don't we do an overview of the news in the last week? So parts of the UK were put into local lockdowns. It was announced that uh, imports into China hit their highest dollar amount in September, up 13.2% year on year. First confirmed US case of someone being reinfected with coronavirus. Uh, the WTO decided uh, allowing a $4 billion tariff on US goods, which hopefully will prompt an end to the Airbus <laughs> Boeing um, state aid dispute. Italy started selling an interest-free bond. Argentina looks like it's on course for currency devaluation. Uh, UK job losses rose at a record rate in three months. India unveiled a $10 billion stimulus package. Armenia and Azerbaijan have agreed a ceasefire. And China's stock market hit a record high of more than $10 trillion. Outstanding. So why don't we go over some of the indexes of our main markets this week? Okay, we'll start with you on the freight. Cape size yesterday was 25497 on the 5TC average, that was down a little over $1,800 on the day, but week on week, a drop of $9,400. The Panamax, uh, 11591 yesterday. Uh, that was a little bit down on the day, but actually a week on week rise of just under $400. And Tom, what about iron ore? On the iron ore, uh, looking at the 65, the um, higher quality product, the Metal Bulletin 65, uh, a slight move down this week, uh, from 133.80 to uh, from 134.40 last week. So down 0.44% on the 62%, the more liquid of the two contracts uh, that we look at from a futures perspective. The index um, was uh, 121.35 yesterday, down from 123.15 last week. So down 1.46%. And to finish off the round of indexes, Brent hardly moved, down 0.47%. That's uh, ending yesterday at 42.45. Sing 380 has uh, popped up 4.5%, up to 250.46. Closed yesterday. Rock 3.5, the old high sulfur fuel oil, uh, up 2.17%, ending 235 yesterday, up from 230. Uh, Sing 0.5%, uh, week on week, up 1.87%, uh, ending yesterday 325.32. And the Rock 0.5%, 306.75, also slightly up 1.66%. And the implied high fives for those that are interested, uh, coming off a bit on the Sing high five, off 6%, uh, down to 74.86. And the rot equivalent, uh, basically flat at 71.75. And then wet tankers, TC2, uh, we've come off 18.5%. That's down from 85.83 to 70, week on week. Tuesday to Tuesday, TC5, 71.88 to 69.06, minus 3.9%. Uh, TD3C, uh, up 10.4% uh, from 26.46 to 29.21. And the TD5 is up 5.3%, 39.58 to 41.67. So into the quality reasons for all these movements, uh, why don't we start with Tom as we start on the indexes with Kerry. A little bit of an overview of what we're seeing on the iron ore. Uh, yes, yeah, so as we've discussed previously, last week was Golden Week, uh, which ended um, on Friday or ended Thursday. So Friday was a normal trading day. Um, we were talking last week around people talking about 
uh, iron ore south of $100 again in, in the not too distant future. Well, as iron ore has been um, want to do pretty much every every time uh, someone's made a prediction this year, it's basically resoundingly done the opposite. Uh, straight out of the gates on Friday, it was a very, very strong rally, uh, but it has corrected this week. So it's come off quite considerably today, actually. I know we were talking about an index number from yesterday, but the movement in the market today has certainly been south. In terms of what's been driving that, it's it's hard to put real figures on it. There's been some maintenance of some uh, Vale ports in Malaysia uh, that receive Vale tonnage, uh, expected to impact around half a million tonnes. Um, there's been some uh, talk around uh, from Tangshan, one of the, the regions in China, ordering some of their steel mills to reduce blast furnace output by 10 points. Um, with reduction in, in the blast furnace, Tancheng is the big, big steel, re steel producing region that normally does have an impact. But what we've seen historically with that is that it's similar to what we talk about with OPEC. They say these things, but enforcement is always the issue. And I think there's fairly considerable relief that these won't get enforced at the moment. Um, so it's hard to put a real finger on what's actually driving the price action at the moment. Port stocks have increased 8.5% over the last two months, and they've certainly built across Golden Week. Uh, and port side prices have been very stable uh, in relation to physical prices. So there's there's not a lot really to, to put a finger on as to, to real determining factors for what's driving the price. The onshore contract, the DCE contract that we always talk about is very, very well supported at the moment. Um, so I think it's going to come down, as we've always been saying, to steel, steel demand is going to be the, the sort of driver for the rest of the year. If steel demand stays there uh, from China or from the rest of the world, then I think the iron ore price will stay very, very well supported. Um, but if that demand falls away, then I think we can expect a big, big move down. Interestingly, there's a couple of bits around the weather being talked about at the moment. So in Australia, we're predicting, or, or analysts and, and meteorologists are predicting a La Nina season in Australia. Uh, but in Brazil, there's an El Nino season. So Brazil will be very dry, uh, which should be favourable for producing some, some good tonnage numbers from over there. But in Australia, it's going to be very wet. It's going to be very cold, um, which will... Probably, if it's the strength of the last La Nina in 2012, I believe it was, which they're sort of suggesting it might be, then that could have a significant impact on their ability to produce. So that there might be some sort of weather factors holding this price up if they believe that Australia is not going to be able to deliver as much tonnage uh, early next year because of because of the weather, essentially. So there's a few things going on at the moment, but it's hard to put proper trading action on the price at the moment because it just yeah tom when you mentioned the weather it's actually quite interesting uh because we are going seasonally into china's weakest demand season in terms of construction so you're talking about steel demand driving this and yet uh what we actually see is we're, we're entering the winter season when quite a lot of construction sites in the north of china often shut down uh, as the weather gets particularly cold uh, as we enter the... Yeah, and on that, there's been some suspensions in China, in Guangdong uh, this week, because there have been some deaths and injuries on construction sites. So it, it feels like some of the steel and cement trade is is being a touch cautious because of those suspensions. I think it feels like there might be some wider 
repercussions as well. So yeah, I mean, construction-wise, weather and safety repercussions do appear to be not. I, I, I do think so. Yeah. So it's it's quite interesting to me the DCE remains so well supported. Um, you know, well, and, and I do wonder if this is just sentiment carry over, especially after the Chinese holiday. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, as as we had said last week, the steel stockpiles are the highest I think they've ever been at this time of the year. So it's <laughs> it's hard to reconcile at the moment, I think is the summary. <laughs> I guess a point to, to bring up is to what extent China's going to be putting in a stimulus, what impact that will have on steel yeah. uh, inventories. And I mean, the rest of Europe are, are not exactly looking too great in terms of going into the end of the year, discussions of another winter of discontent. There's not going to be that much demand for projects and everything else. There, there certainly is not. not um, uh, neither Europe or the US is looking like the steel demand there is going to pick up substantially. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's worth wondering where this demand is going to come from. It's also worth noting, which I think I've mentioned before on this podcast, that Chinese stimulus tends to focus on infrastructure spending, but in terms of actual steel demand overall in China, infrastructure uh, infrastructure demand only accounts for about 15% of total steel usage. So it's very difficult. While it helps sentiment quite a lot, it's very difficult to actually drive a massive increase in steel demand just through stimulus measures. Although keeping an eye on next month, uh, a large chunk of Joe Biden's economic plan is on infrastructure spending. <laughs> That's true. So That's true. it could be a factor to play into this, especially if they start uh, import. Although he does seem to be still on the page of well, we should be using American steel, so it might not have so <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. He sort of offsets that a little bit, doesn't he, sir? But cool. But as uh, Kerry started to pop into this discussion, why don't we drop on some points happening in the dry freight market? Absolutely. It's, it's been another action-packed week on the on the big ships. Uh, the Cape size saw a sharp correction over the past week on the spot index. After the tonnage squeeze that we've seen that had propelled rates last week um, on the C3 Brazil-China route um, uh, up to $24 around this time last week was being rumored to be paid uh, for October loading dates. We're seeing that squeeze ease off a little bit as we head into November loading dates now. Um, and uh, we're now seeing levels today around $19 on that C3 route uh, being done uh, for November, early November loading dates at Tuberau. The biggest drop, however, on the Capes has actually been the North Atlantic. Again, uh, TC rates on the front haul last week, basis delivery to the continent, had been up to a pretty astonishing 55,000 or so um, per day, uh, again, due to a sort of a short-term tonnage squeeze. Uh, yesterday, the index was marked at 28,200, so nearly cut in half uh, those rates out of the North Atlantic. And this has um, <clears throat> sort of contributed to the spot level falling by around 27% over the past week or by about $9,400. It's worth noting that the paper, which had always been discounted substantially compared to the spot, uh, dropped in a far more measured way. November dropped around $2,800 over the course of the week to trade just under $20,000 last night, about a 12% drop. So less than half of what the spot was. Because you did say last week that uh, obviously the index pushed up massively. The futures <laughs> market was not convinced of that. that Absolutely not. And we're seeing that the futures market carried the day here. You know, um, the, the oh. balance of month for the October last week, I think I mentioned, was yeah. priced in around 25K. Yeah. And sure enough, the index today is, is hovering around 25K. The so TCM well version. done, dry freight futures market. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and meanwhile, the Panamaxes have been a little steadier. 
Um, they were edging north until the end of last week, uh, but they lost some momentum at the start of this week. Confidence has seemed to dry up on the Panamax size uh, with uncertainty, particularly in the Atlantic Basin. Seems pretty well offered on the physical for those shorter rounds in the North Atlantic with, with very few bids around. Um, and the East Coast of South America has seen a notable lack of fresh cargo this week, which, uh, which meant that uh, offers have been hovering around 16,000 APS on, uh, on large modern ships uh, and uh, for these grain cargoes out of East Coast South America, uh, and very few bids are stepping up to that level at the moment. Uh, despite the index being pretty flat yesterday, the paper has taken a substantial hit. The November traded down to 11,750 yesterday, and this morning, I believe, it's down to around 11,150, according to our app. So around $1,200 below where it was trading last week. Um, so the paper is, again, expressing a far more bearish view of the situation at the moment on the nearby months than, uh, than the uh, physical index. So if the last week's anything to go by, we should be following the paper on the Panamax. Yes, I, I would suggest. So one thing to note moving forward, and we can't really know what the effect's going to be just yet, is China's appear apparent incipient ban on Aussie coking coal. So yesterday word was circulating um, that Chinese government had issued instructions to quite a few steel mills and even some of the ports to just halt all imports of Australian coking coal. This was apparently done on a fairly informal basis. The Chinese government has not put forward an official policy on this, but you know, there's already about 30 cakes waiting off of China at the moment to discharge coking coal and the wait times are already fairly substantial. Uh, if there is uh, a ban, I think there's going to be an open question over whether this is short term and it causes additional congestion or whether we start seeing, uh, you know, essentially a lot of, um, of, of defaults here and a lot of cancelled cargo. But what kind of a future impact could that could have had? Let's, let's assume that China does come out with official ban. You obviously, you can have those ships who are sitting there with Australian coking coal going, we can't do anything. Yeah, an impact of is that going to pull freight to other sources of, of coal? And I, I think overall that would have a medium term negative impact. I think you're looking at again, if this if this ban was only short term, then I think you'd probably just see an, an additional bit of congestion off China. Well, um, and it's been pretty interesting. Sorry? <laughs> I was saying in terms of pricing on the coking coal, it's been pretty pretty interesting. No, exactly, exactly. It certainly hasn't helped that. Um, uh, and so people are starting to price this in quite substantially already, aren't they? Yeah. So, uh, and and I believe that uh, that if this ban hangs around, it will actually have a negative effect on the uh, on the freight rates. I think you're going to you're going to see the East Coast Australia trade to China start to dry up. So, uh, so let's watch this carefully. Talking of negative moves, we move to some bullish move uh, on the tankers for once. Uh, Two routes of significant interest this week. TC6, well, it's obviously had things going on between the uh, escalation uh, in the East Mediterranean between Turkey uh, and Cyprus. Obviously, things have not been great there. So a lot of that is over you know, tensions uh, revolving offshore exploration rights, which could escalate into further action. You obviously have further East Turkey's involvement, uh, as we previously uh, noted uh, yeah. between Azerbaijan and Armenia. So obviously things starting to flare up and with the US who are not involved, things could escalate quite quickly. Exactly. But that is having uh, an increase on, on rates uh, in TC6, especially with Libya now producing uh, from its largest oil field, Chihara, uh, is now pumping again, has potential to increase production up to around about 300,000 barrels per day. So uh, a 
story definitely to start keeping an eye on for that uh, cross-med route. And also uh, looking at CE3C, which we mentioned last week was not doing too well in those kind of mid-20s uh, levels. But as we've seen, it dropped down in September, bro broke through 30 in September, uh, with the first time in five years, uh, reaching a low of 24.75. And then that has chucked up a bit towards the high 30s in the following weeks before falling again to 26 range, which is what we picked up last week. And then again, start this week, this has started to move back up. Um, Tuesday, it was marked up at 29.21 plus 2.29. And yesterday morning, we've seen a load of fixtures coming for the AG China route. Yeah. With each one testing a higher rate going to from 26.5 to 27.5 and then 29.5. Um, so a slight increase and uh, a bit more positive news on the tankers uh, to report. Definitely, definitely. That's refreshing change, actually, after, yeah, <laughs> after sure the past weeks. Yeah. Definitely good news for, for owners who are, who are listening in. But uh, a last little overview on, on oil and products. Uh, not too much to, to report. We, we started, well, we had Wednesday close last week at 41.59. Uh, we went up to 43.53 on Friday, uh, and now it's come back off again. Uh, so a little bit up and then a little bit down. Some other things to note in terms of uh, news coming out. The IA warned of the slowest decade for energy demand since the 1930s. Uh, OPEC, obviously, uh, are dismissive of such such claims, uh, <laughs> especially people pointing to we've probably hit or are very near hitting peak oil demand. We have had the hurricane in the US Gulf, uh, and that is expected to bring a draw to the stock levels in the US, which are going to report it a day late tomorrow because of the US holiday on Monday. Uh, one thing to note in terms of fuel laws, as we have uh, September, we noted last week, had been one long move up on the on the FOGO spread, yeah. really strengthening. We have yeah. seen it, it fall a little bit in the week uh, since the last podcast, but now that is pushing up again. So we were 45 and a half and 23 at the time of the last podcast, we are now minus 39 on the Rotterdam Fogo and minus 15. So significant moves up uh, and strengthening yeah. of the 0.5%, which you notice in terms of increasing demand, uh, the problems of sourcing the fuel uh, have dissipated. And, and in fact, a lot of it has been probably that the gas was having an oversupply. So in terms of the narrowing between the two. So both may have moved up, but 0.5 definitely has moved up more significantly and relative to a lot of other a lot of other fuels. I guess our last market, just to quickly go through, is the fertilizers, where we've seen uh, near record volume on offers. Uh, we've seen a latest tender for from India, uh, RCF, closed on Friday, receiving offers totaling 3.63 million tons from 16 companies. Uh, we had prices confirmed at 279 and a quarter for uh, CFR East Coast and 279.94 for CFR West Coast India. Nota traders are looking to roll positions. Um, we've noted that uh, from our brokers here at FIS this week with 21 KT being traded on the Novdex spread at minus five. Uh, that was today. Uh, the trader is playing with in length November, rolling positions into deck and carrying of about $5. Also seen the deck Jan spread trade around about the same level. Phosphates, however, have, have stabilized. Um, we have been seeing quite tight supply uh, but it seems that this is not reflecting quite so much in terms of price, and it's just stabilised so far. Uh, we've seen values for Q1 timeframe 
344 to $346. Uh, and that is uh, with a few dollars carry from January to March. However, there does seem to be some resistance in pushing these prices higher uh, than the mid kind of 340s because hedges are more than happy to kind of lay off length uh, around these current levels. So any other points on the commodities for some final comments before we finish for this week? No, no. I would just say from the, the, the freight side, watch out for the effects of that potential Australian coking coal ban by China. Um, watch out for the Aussies. Exactly. Tom, anything from you? Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on you. were talking about the IEA and their report on uh, energy demand. It's not necessarily anything we're talking about particularly today, but in the midst of that report, it was something quite interesting around what their view on energy makeup is going to be moving forward, uh, which will have some significant impacts on freight rates over the medium term, you'd expect as well if what they're predicting comes to fruition. So they're basically saying by 2025 now, we expect renewables, uh, and by that they mean solar and wind, to be the, the world's largest energy producer, overtaking coal uh, in less than, less than four years' time um, on a global level, which is a fairly major shift uh from where we were at probably even a year ago um so it'd be interesting to just see how that play out but i thought that was quite an interesting part of their their report this week so we're going to start uh, putting some more things on the renewables for the podcast to keep an eye on that breakneck speed that things are, are changing around the world exactly some final points i know Kerry would enjoy this we have to keep an eye on the third of november so instead of our own opinion, I have the opinion of those putting um, odds on for, for the election. And things definitely seem to be taking sides on this. Um, latest figures, this is from the FT, have noted uh, averages based on betting odds from eight gambling websites put nearly 70% of them betting on a Joe Biden victory. Uh, and almost down to, to 30% for those betting on Donald Trump. And it is true, also, the article points to a lot of investors um, are moving stocks, moving their portfolio to what they think will be benefiting from a Joe Interesting. victory. Interesting. And what, what, what is that then? What are those? Uh, moving to smaller companies, small caps, uh, those who haven't keeping pace with a lot of larger caps. Um, so, uh, big boost. Uh, and this move suggests that uh, straight from the analysts say these moves suggest investors think Mr. Trump's presidency is likely to come to an end and the Democrats could prove supportive for risky bets. Interesting, interesting. I wonder what effect this would have on renewables going forward. Something to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anyone was to read the, uh, there was an economic uh, economist article on uh, Bidenomics, <laughs> which definitely is putting uh, a big impact on US push for renewables, investments. Yeah. Uh, infrastructure spending uh, and around about I think it's three billion dollar extra funding for those kind of projects. So, I mean, it's not the level of um, Bernie Sanders or no, no, Warren, no. which was something about like sixteen percent increase in in state spending, but I think it's around about three percent increase he's trying to go for. Which, Interesting. I mean, depending whether he wins both houses, you know, compromise, yeah. you might get around about half that. But sure. some significant money to be put into yeah, those potentially, projects. potentially. We'll see what happens. Cool. Still three weeks to go. So. Three weeks to go. Countdown. Three more updates. Before we find out. <laughs> but anyway, thank you guys for your updates and everyone listening. Do join us again next week. Thanks, guys. Cheers, gents.